0: Learn all about investing in real estate in Garland, Texas, with a combination of real estate financial planning and modeling with numbers specific to Garland, plus syndicated, more generalized recordings of live and pre-recorded real estate investing classes, not all of them specific to Garland. Be sure to stay tuned after the podcast for a message from our sponsors. Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. Today, we have an interesting class. Oh, by the way, I'm James Orr. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing quite like starting off the uh, recording like that. Um, I'm James Orr, and today we have an interesting class. It's an update class about a new announcement on the changes being made to FHA financing. And so this is sort of a review in some ways of how FHA loans, and specifically the mortgage insurance premium, their version of Uh, PMI, private mortgage insurance, on FHA loans work. And also that there are some changes that just went into effect. And so by the time you're watching this video, these should apply to you unless it's changed again, since you've watched this video. Um, And so we'll cover what those are. So let's just jump right into it. There's not that many slides. This should be a really short video, a really short class. So uh, FHA Mortgage Insurance Premium Change, MIP Change. So this was announced by the Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD, on February 22nd, 2023. So they announced it uh, just about a month ago. It's uh Feb- It's March 23rd, 2023, as of today. So uh, February 22nd, 2023, this was announced by HUD um, and it goes into effect. It applies to mortgages endorsed for insurance, endorsed for this insurance by FHA, on or after March 20th, 2023. And I have a typo here, so I'm going to just correct that now because otherwise I won't come back. Okay, so, uh, so it's updated on, uh, it's, it goes into effect March 20th, 2023. So any loans you're getting at this point should then be covered. By the time you watch this video, it's going to be covered on there. So before I go into this, I want to just briefly cover what mortgage insurance is and, and why it exists. So in an ideal world, a lender making you a loan would like to see you put 20% down on a property. They want to be protected in case you default. So they say, Hey, look, we really would prefer that you put 20% down that way. If for some reason, something happens to you and you're unable to make the payments on the loan, we can go ahead and foreclose after a reasonable period of time. And we could take possession back of the property and then we could resell the property and ideally get all of our money back out after all expenses. So imagine, you know, they go they go buy the property. Maybe there's a little bit of repairs that need to be done. Maybe they need to hold the property for a short period of time. Maybe you had some back payments. Maybe uh, you know, they have to pay a real estate agent a commission to help them list the property and then a real estate agent a commission in order to help the buyer buy the property. And so by the time they're all done, they think that having a 20% cushion of equity based on the value that you're buying the property for is enough for them to likely not lose money. Is it possible for them to lose money even with 20% down? Sure. Is it likely that they'll make a profit with 20% down? Sure. Okay. But the idea is that the lender would really prefer it if you put 20% down. However, they've realized that not everyone has 20% down. Not everyone wants to put 20% down. And so they say, look, okay, you want to put in this case, you know, three and a half percent down or something less than 20%. I'll tell you what we'll do. I'm willing to make you that loan. However, In order to protect me, I'd prefer it if you put 20% down, but in order to protect me in case you default, I want you to go to this third party, and I want that third party to guarantee, to ensure me that if for some reason you do not make the payments as agreed, and I have to foreclose on the property, and then I have to go and take possession of the property and then resell it, that I am not going to lose money on this deal, okay? And the terms of that might be a little bit varied depending on who it is and how it's all structured. But the idea is that the insurance company, this third-party insurance company that you're paying, is insuring the lender in case you default because you're putting less than 20% down, and they feel they want that extra security in order to be willing to give you the loan. Okay? So with FHA, FHA is a loan program, and I don't like this is like the layman's version. You know, if you want the really technical version, go find someone else. But FHA is a government kind of like backed program by the Department of Housing and Urban Development where they will help lenders guarantee this loan by being the insurer of choice, right? They're they're the ones that are being the mortgage insurance premium. They're kind of collecting it. And if the lender then has a default, then the FHA with their mortgage insurance premium will come in and help do that. So what happens is, You have a certain interest rate for the loan. And then in addition to that, you have this mortgage insurance premium. And what has changed is that mortgage insurance premium as of right now. So it used to be a certain number and it varied depending on how much you put down. I'll show you the table here in a second, but now it is less. And I think the amount less it is, it's 30 points, which we'll talk about what that means exactly. So the bottom line for you as a real estate investor who's thinking about buying a property using an FHA loan, and usually FHA loans are used by people who own or occupy properties. I'm not aware of any loan, of any version of FHA where you cannot own or occupy the property. So this is really a strategy for house hackers, someone who's going to be buying a property, moving in, and then renting out part of the property. The most common version of that is you're going to go in, you're going to buy a duplex, you're going to live in one half of the unit you know, one half of the property and the other, and your tenants are going to live in the other half. So duplex would be an example of you house hacking, but it could be a duplex or a triplex, you know, three units or fourplex, which is four units where you live in one of them and you rent out the other units. But it could also be you buy a single family home and you rent out rooms as an example. That's another version of house hacking. So if you get roommates, you're house hacking, you could use an FHA loan to buy that property as an owner occupant, Usually it's three and a half, as low as three and a half percent down. You could put more down, which we'll see here in a second. Um, and then you'll be able to, you know, get this loan and, and buy the property and then house act. The other version where uh, investors use FHA is for nomads. And nomads are, nomads are real estate investing strategy where you buy a property as an owner occupant, you move into the property. It's a requirement of you getting an owner occupant loan, which allows lower down payments and improved interest rates, lower interest rates. So those are two advantages of getting owner-occupant financing. So you get an owner-occupant loan, you have to move into the property. If you don't, it's loan fraud. So you got to move into the property, but you move in, you live there for a year. The year is a requirement of the lender. When you get the loan, they're going to have you sign a document that says you agree to live in the property for a year. So if they change that policy, if they ever come and they say, hey, uh, you now need to sign a document that says you'll live in the property for two years or five years or whatever, then we will start teaching the strategy is you move into the property, you live there for two years or five years or whatever the strategy is. We are complying with all the terms of the loan, if I'm not being clear about that. okay? So you're, you're getting this loan as an owner occupant, you're moving into the property, you're living there for a year. At the end of the year, whatever your agreement with the lender says, in this case, a year. At the end of the year, you're going to then go buy another property, again, probably as an owner-occupant, with an owner-occupant loan, low low down, nothing down type of loan, where you're getting really good interest rate, and you're going to convert the previous property to a rental. You're going to put a tenant in the property. In some cases, it might be a tenant buyer if you're going to get sophisticated and do like a lease option. But for most cases, it's going to be a tenant in the old property. And then, so now you have a property that you once lived in for a year at least, maybe more if you're saving up for a down payment, you need more time, but at least a year. that you got a tenant in there now who's now, you've converted that old one to a rental and now you've bought a new owner-occupant property. Then you repeat this process as many times as you want in order to get as many rental properties as you want. So if you're doing you know, 5% down loan and you had 20% that you could have put down on a single property, by doing this strategy, you can acquire four rentals instead of just that one rental. So instead of putting 20% down and buying one rental property, you now could use 5% down buy the first one live there for a year, put 5% down in the second one live there for a year, put 5% down in the third one live there for a year, put 5% down in the fourth one live there for a year. And now you've got four rental properties, four large assets with good owner occupant financing, probably a PMI on most of them. Um, but we'll talk about what that means in another class. But basically, you'll be able to acquire rentals with less down payment. Okay, so now that I've kind of described what this mortgage insurance is, how, kind of how it works, um, who it's usually for, house hackers and nomads. It's not usually for non-owner occupants because you can't get these FHA loans in order to go buy an investment property. But the FHA loan is usually good for, um, it's one of the really good loans for buying duplexes, triplexes, and fourplexes with a low down as long as you're moving into the property. You can also buy single family homes, but it's exceptionally good for buying these duplexes, triplexes, and fourplexes with as little as 3.5% down. So I I describe your effective interest rate and I'm using that in quotes as the interest rate for your mortgage, plus whatever the kind of like premium is for your uh, private mortgage insurance or in the case of FHA they call it mortgage insurance premium, so when you add those two together. I kind of call that your effective interest rate because it is sort of the interest rate you're getting on the regular loan, plus it's the interest rate you're paying on this mortgage insurance premium, which gives you an idea of like what the overall rate was. So your effective interest rate with FHA, with this change that they just put into effect, will likely be slightly lower than it was. So this can improve your cash flow slightly. If you were going to buy a property before this change, your cash flow would be a little bit less, but now that the change where they've lowered the mortgage insurance premium, your effective interest rate will now be lower, and so your cash flow will be slightly greater. It'll improve your cash flow. For example, on a $500,000 property that you plan to put 3.5% down on, it might improve your cash flow by about $90 per month. That's not insignificant. That's a pretty good improvement in cash flow, and so that's what this change is. Okay, so now that I've covered it, let's go over the little summary sheet that they gave us. And I believe this is from HUD, uh, Housing and Urban Development, and it kind of goes in. So I'm just going to read through it and kind of make some comments on it. So this is the annual mortgage insurance premium, MIP, um, and it applies to all mortgages, except they've got two cases, Streamline, Refinance and simple refinance mortgages used to refinance a previous FHA-endorsed mortgage on or before May 31st, 2009. So apparently it doesn't apply to those. So if you have that or you think you have that, talk to your lender and try to find out if that applies to you. I don't even know what that means. Again, I'm a layman. Um, but I'll I'll try to help you as best I can. But that's what I would ask your lender if that applies to you. For most of you getting a new loan, it does not apply to you. And the second one is, and this might apply to people who live in Hawaii, Hawaiian Homelands Section 247. Again, I don't know what that is. Not an expert at that. But Hawaiian Homelands Section 247 does not require annual mortgage insurance premium. So apparently this doesn't apply. So you don't even need to worry about it. It's better for you anyway. Okay. So those are the things that it doesn't apply to. Uh, Now let's go over what the things are. So they break this down into mortgage terms more than 15 years, for example, a 30-year loan, or mortgage terms of less than or equal to 15 years, and that's the second group. Let's go over the ones for more than 15 years first the 30-year loan programs, which I think is going to be the more common one that you will use as a real estate investor. There are some exceptional circumstances where you may choose to do a 15-year loan, but I think for the overwhelming majority of real estate investors, they're going to choose a 30-year loan, something more than 15 years, definitely. Okay. So now they've broken down, the ones that are more than 15 years, they have two different criteria. One where the base loan amount is less than a certain number and one where it's greater than that same number. And the number is 726,000. $200. $200. So FHA loan limits vary over time. And they may set these new thresholds as property values increase, and they get their approval to do so, they may bump up the kind of loan limits on these loans over time. But if you're getting a loan, and it's over this amount, then certain criteria apply. If you're getting a loan, and it's, did I say under? So certain loans that are under this amount, certain criteria apply. Certain loans that are greater than that amount, certain loan criteria apply. And again, this is not intended for you to like memorize this and use it. Go talk to your lender. They will know these regulations. They will assist you. Okay. And they may change over time, right? It's like, this is an example of it changing. And this is an example of me doing a video to help you understand what the changes are. But again, go talk to your lender to get the actual details. All right. So I'm going to focus in on the ones that are less than that, that number, $726,200. There's three options they give you for those situations, one where you're borrowing more than 95 percent loan to value. So if you're putting three and a half percent down, which is the lowest amount you put down for FHA, I should get down payment assistance, which I'm not getting into. But if you're doing uh, if you're doing an FHA loan with three and a half percent down, that's greater than ninety five percent loan to value. That's one of the categories. There's another category where it's between ninety percent and less than ninety five. So you're putting more than five percent down, but less than ten percent down. And then there's another category where if you're putting more than 10% down, the criteria is there. So let's talk about the one where you're putting um, like 3.5% down, because I think that's going to be the most common one. And then I'll cover the other ones just so that you know. So in the case where you're putting less than 5% down, for example, 3.5%, the new mortgage insurance premium, BPS, basis points, is 55. Previously, it was 85. So it improved by 30. And I think all the improvements are 30. Okay, And it lasts for the entire life of the loan. One of the downsides of FHA loans is that the mortgage insurance premium lasts for the full 30 years on most of the loan programs. There are some exceptions, which we'll talk about here, but it really applies for the entire 30 years. So in order to get rid of PMI, mortgage insurance premium on FHA loan, you need to either pay off the loan, sell the loan, or refinance into a different loan product altogether. Those are the three ways to get rid of MIP on an FHA loan. Okay. Uh, On a conventional loan, one of the advantages of doing those is that the mortgage insurance premium on a lot of those loan programs goes away once you get below like 80% loan to value or 78% loan to value, depending on the lender program and everything like that. So, in a lot of ways, conventional can be better, but you can't do duplexes, triplexes, and fourplexes as of right now with a conventional loan with low down payment. But FHA, you can. So there's pros and cons to all these loan programs. It's not like one is universally always better, okay? So if you're putting less than 5% down, for example, 3.5% down, the new mortgage insurance premium is gonna be 55 basis points, okay? Um, Which if I understand correctly, and I have to go do the math, is 0.55% of the loan per year. 0.55% of the loan per year. So about a little bit more than half of a percent on the loan per year. And it used to be 0.85, and that lasts for the entire term of the loan, the 30-year term of the loan, okay? If you put more than 5% down, but less than 10% down, then it's 50 basis points instead of 55. So you get a slightly lower mortgage insurance premium if you put more than 5% down and less than 10%. You remember in our class, we talk about how to improve cash flow. One of the things we discuss is, hey, look, if you put more down, you can actually improve your mortgage insurance premium if you put enough down to get above 20% down, you can get rid of it entirely, okay? And not necessarily with FHA loans, but with other loans, okay? You don't have to do any PMI at all in those cases. But in here with FHA, if you actually put 5% down, you get a little break in insurance premium. It's about, you know, what is that? About, five, about 10% of the premium less. You went from 55 to 50, and we're using really rough math, okay? So before that used to be 80 Now with the new change, it's only 50 if you put between five and 10% down and that still lasts for the entire duration of the loan. However, if you decide to put more than 10% down on an FHA loan, the mortgage insurance premium is still 50. Doesn't change whether you put 5% of that. However, it lasts only for 11 years. So it does go away in that case after paying the MIP for 11 years of a 30 year loan, for example. So that's still a long time but it doesn't last forever anymore if you started with more than 10% down on your FHA loan. All right? Now, on the cases where your, your, your loan is greater than $726,200, there are three cases for that as well, the same ones as before. Either you put more than 10% down, you put somewhere between 5 and 10% down, and you put less than 5% down, okay? And those are higher mortgage insurance premium. Where before, when you put three and a half percent down, it was a 55 basis point, kind of like mortgage insurance premium. When you have that higher loan amount and you put less than 5% down, it's 75. So 20 basis points higher. And it used to be 105 before this change. Again, that lasts for the entire mortgage term. Um, so you kind of get a feel for that. Then just similar to, similarly to what we did before, where if you're putting somewhere between 5% and 10% down, Um, or greater than 10% down, in both those cases, it's a little bit less than the one where you put less than 5%. In this case, it's 70 basis points. So what's 75 if you got a loan that's over that $726,000 limit, and you're putting less than 5% down at 75. If you're putting more than 5% down, it's 70. And that used to be 100. And similarly to before, the one where you put more than 10%, that only lasts for 11 years, But if you put less than 10% down, it lasts for the duration of the loan, okay? Now, I kind of covered the one for 30-year loan. I'm not gonna cover in detail the ones for less than that time period, just because it seems like going through a lot of effort to do that. If you need to know those numbers, you can look them up. But I will tell you, if you're doing like a less than $726,000 loan, and you're putting less than less than 10% down, the basis points is 40 for that one, and it lasts the life of the loan. So that's probably the most common of those. You do a 15-year loan for FHA with like 3.5% down if you could do those, um, and that's 40 basis points, where for the one that you're doing a 30-year loan, it's 55. Okay? And again, that's down from being 70 before. Now it's 40. right? But if you want to go look at all these, you can go look that up. You're doing, think about doing a 15%, um, sorry, a 15-year loan or something for FHA, you know, go talk to your lender. They'll give you this sheet showing you what the breakdown is for these, or talk to them about, you know, what's optimal for you to kind of improve your cash flow to make it the most you can. All right, so that's all I got for you. In conclusion, with the new FHA mortgage insurance premiums, getting an FHA loan, especially for nomads and house hackers, should have slightly improved cash flow. Gotta put a little TM on this puppy. Okay, for nomads and house hackers, they should have slightly improved cash flow. Changes should be in effect by the time you watch this video. For example, on a five hundred thousand dollars purchase price, it might be improved. Your cash flow might be improved by about ninety dollars per month. And again, run the numbers with your lender. This is just me sort of uh, estimating back in the napkin math as to what the difference between those two premiums would be on a loan of that magnitude. If you're borrowing less, it's going to be a smaller amount. If you're borrowing more, it could be a slightly a larger amount. And I'm using 500 because <clears throat> in a lot of markets, 500K is about the, the loan amount that you might get on an FHA loan, especially if you're doing a duplex. In some markets, I just said that and people are like, James, you're crazy. Can't get a duplex around here for less than a million or you can't get a duplex right here for less than $2 million. or I could buy a duplex for 200000 you know, Every market's a little bit different, but I just picked that number out of the air. So go talk to your lender and get ideas on that. All right, that's all I got for you. This has been James Orr. I hope you've enjoyed this video with the update. Bye-bye for now. With home prices up, mortgage interest rates up, and rents up, but not quite enough to counteract the higher prices and interest rates, cash flow on rental properties in Garland is harder than ever. Book a call with the Real Estate Financial Planner